velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. The brilliant resurgent boys in blue, black and white. Three from three. I am joined as ever by my good friend and beaming fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you? Very good, mate. Yeah, we can uh, get used to these, can't we? Three from three, three bonus points wins on the trot romping up the table Heineken Cup potentially on the on the agenda for for next season yeah I can um I can get used to this yeah it's been a fantastic few weeks being a Bath fan Tom and a fantastic few weeks for you not only were you at the shed in the middle of the shed last Friday to watch the West Country Derby victory but back at Twickenham on Saturday to watch the 35-45 win over Harlequins in big summer kickoff. What a fantastic back-to-back weekends for yourself. Yeah, and if you told me that it was going to be an 80-pointer against Quinns away, technically, even even those at Twickenham, if you said that to me even a couple of months ago, I would have thought that it could have been a, a, a Saris of last season or a Gloucester of last season all over again. But it was brilliant. It was great entertainment, I think, both for Quinns and Bath fans, but also also the neutral and... Yeah, it was this kind of big summer kickoff. So they're they're equivalent of of the the clash games that that we used to do. When was it back in twenty eighteen onwards? You know, essentially a home game for for Quins, but obviously at Twickenham. So very much kind of a festival rugby atmosphere. So it's kind of like I mean a little bit like kind of sevens, I guess, like Twickenham sevens, where there's entertainment before. You had the Kaiser Chiefs, which was a bit of a bit of a blast from the past in the in the middle of the Twickenham pitch before the game, which was a bit weird. And then some bloke dressed as as a sort of a, a caveman or something doing doing some karaoke gig after the game in, in Twickenham fan zone. So yeah, a bit of an eclectic mix of weirdness, but a very, very entertaining game. And yeah, I think if you'd you'd, you'd come away from that, you'd be you'd be wanting to watch more Prem rugby and wanting to watch more more Bath rugby, Jay. Yeah, Tom, we do our little previews before the week ahead for the upcoming game. And I don't think we've nearly been as spot on as I imagine the Kaiser Chiefs were when they rolled out their I predict a riot five minutes before kickoff, because that's exactly what you got at Twickenham on Saturday. A thriller and Bath yeah. coming out on top of that was was really great to see. Leaving us, as you said, Tom, ninth in the table with a shout at Champions Cup Rugby, which a few weeks ago seemed very, very far away. And before we end the podcast, we will discuss Saracens, our last game of the season, in a couple of weeks' time, and everything that needs to happen for us to get into that top eight, Tom. On that day, you'll be able to enjoy a black and white butcher's hog roast. 
this podcast, of course, brought to you by Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers, the butchers and events company by Vars, very own number two. If you are going to that game, then please check out their stall next last to chance. Last chance this season, so fill your boots. It's a, it's a long summer without a, a black and white burger. But yeah, I think on the subject of, you, you mentioned Kingsome, and one of the things I said last week was that it felt like there was a lot of pressure on those players coming out and you know running out in front of the shed, begging for blood, as I said. And although you know, Quinns weren't playing for anything with Northampton on the Friday night, putting an end to their top four hopes by, by hammering Newcastle and in the process ensuring that we wouldn't finish bottom G. But it, it, although there wasn't kind of pressure in terms of the, the table, for a lot of those players, it's probably be one of the biggest events that they will have been involved in, or particularly for the younger guys. So thinking of Orlando Bailey, Max Ajomo, Miles Reed, for example, you know, there was a, a big expectant 40,000, you know, uh, uh, 40, 40,000 people at, at Twickenham who wanted entertainment in the, in the, in the sunshine. So yeah, I think the fact that we delivered on our game plan that we, we again showed that we can, we can keep our heads when there is pressure and when it is a big event, I think that was great. And I think, you know, it was memorable being there as a, as a fan for sure. It took me back to those clash days, which were, which were, Great days in the you know in, in in the back end of the 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 2010s, but yeah, it was um, very memorable for the players as well. I think, and you could you could tell that by the reactions afterwards. So a good day for for players and fans, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Is it something that you'd like, you talk about those clashes, Tom? We had some great days out there. I think mm. it was something that divided um, opinion amongst Bath fans, sacrificing a home game and obviously with the added cost of travel to get to Twickenham. It's something that divides opinions amongst Harlequins fans, even though it's just over the road. Is it something that you'd be keen for the club to reintroduce? I think so. I mean, obviously a bit biased being being London-based, but I think there are probably, probably a couple of reasons. So obviously we know the financial difficulties that premiership rugby clubs have operating despite the, the, the salary cap reductions um, that, that, that we've seen. So clearly they're a very, very good... Uh, revenue earner for 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 clubs. We're selling you know thirty five, forty plus thousand tickets at, at 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 Twickenham. But also, I think they're a great way of growing the league and growing the club, which are both things that you're going to have to do to you know ensure the long term sustainability of of both 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 your club and the the, the the you know the 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 Premiership as well. So I really like them. I mean, I, I can understand why if you're a season ticket holder, you feel a little bit. Uh, miffed by having to travel from Bath for, to Twickenham for a for a home game, but yeah, I think probably the positives outweigh that for me. I think it's a a, a good way of growing your grow, growing your brand, and that certainly would have done that for both those teams on Saturday. Mm. Do you think? Yeah, maybe not Twickenham. We could always do the Millennium or something like that, which is yeah. slightly closer for some. But yeah, they're they're great days out, aren't they? And Bath and Bath fans might have to get used to travelling for another city for rugby with the the stadium for Bath fans. So. Uh, plans so um yeah i'm not sure we'll get the millennium for that season or the principality but um possibly somewhere in swansea or bogan regis or something we, we might have to get used to traveling up to twickenham tom if this form well if this form is anything to go by yeah <laughs> well we could, i guess we we basically uh planted the blue black and white flag in king's home now after after last <laughs> week we can just make that our make that home away from home these days yeah a fantastic start tom as we kind of delve 
into the game in a little bit more detail. It was our man, Tom Dunn, who pushed over for the first try, 7-0, we led. Some take, some take from Van Veltzer as well, who mm. I think had a, had, a, had a strong game and I think has quietly been behind an improved line-out in that 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 the, the the last few weeks a brilliant one-handed take above his above his head and yeah JP Ferreira mentioned didn't he that we've been lacking a bit of a line-out caller and I think that is the reason that he's come back into that second row obviously not his primary position and I don't think it's coincidence that that started to to function a little bit more yeah he was outstanding we're gonna have to have a little bit of a discussion about the man of the match award at the end but yeah he was superb Van Veltzer I think from there Tom our biggest concerns in the lead up to the game started to bore out I think being at Twickenham which is such a wide pitch Harlequins yeah. have such a great record there because they like to to go wide and fast defence out wide can be and was at times on Saturday a little bit shaky a couple of really really simple Quinns try the first from Caden Murley down the left and then Luke Wallace again down the left. That was a little bit concerning, I can imagine. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, we were sitting the other side and it was like, why are we not defending our right wing at all? And I had a, I had a closer look at the, the, the tries when I watched, watched them back on, on TV. And the first one's an interesting one, G. I think it was a, a tactic that we, that we probably employed. I mean, it looked like a completely simple overlap. It basically looked like a, a captain's run. But I don't know if you noticed, but they'd actually posted Orlando Bailey out on that right wing. And I'm imagining the reason for that would have been, you know, the threat of Andre Esterhazen running that 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 line into, into first receiver. But I think it was definitely an area that Quinn's identified either before or during the game and exploited because we looked we looked in two minds, I think, throughout the game, really, in that wide channel. We're particularly early one on, you know, we're disconnected. I think Bailey and, and Big Joe didn't quite know whether to, to go forward into the line and line up against their opposite men or to drop back, obviously, with the, the kicking game of Marcus Smith. So defensively, I think that was that was probably a, a poor tactic, employing, employing Bailey out wide. But I think in general, Quinn's exposed what we knew would be a weakness, and that was the, that was the wide channels. And yeah, those first two tries for Merle and Wallace just looked so easy mm-hmm. that it was... It was it was it was pretty concerning. You know, we can put all that effort in and and get get Tommy down over the over the line, but they just bounce back and and they score within two phases, basically. Yeah, if you make a a simple mistake in the line, whereby you step up or drift at the wrong moment when particularly Smith's got the ball in his hands, they're just so so deadly because they're so well attuned to each other that Harlequin's back line that they just run off each other so well and and I think it was Lawrence the right for the first up. try and and then um, we'll see Ted Hill a little bit later for the the third try just just quite basic individual errors that as soon as you take that wrong step the ball's gone and at that point the pace of Murley Marchant is so difficult and Liner it's so difficult to recover. Bath managed to get themselves back into the game, Tom. Two Quinn's yellow card for Esther Hazen and Murley meant that Van Veltzer was able to crash over um, before just on, on sort of 30 minutes. Um, we did then concede that second, uh, that third try, sorry, after the Hill error that I'm, I'm speaking about. Down to 13 men, Quinn's were still somehow managing to find the overlap down that left-hand side. Marcus Smith pulling the strings magically and 
Ollie Lawrence in what was turning out to be a real ding dong battle towards the end of the second uh, end of the first half, excuse me, crashed over after an excellent gather from Big Joe, which Ooh. meant he led at 21-24 at half time. Kind of a whirlwind last 10 minutes of that first half. Yeah, it felt like the game really burst into life, to be honest. I mean, it was it was obviously tit for tat with those early tries. Two teams clearly trying to play in very, very different uh, in different ways. And that was interesting. You know, I watch a, a, a lot of boxing and, and you often talk about styles make fights and it felt like a really good clash of what were very, very different styles. So us on the one hand, trying to restrict them with, you know, mm. tactical territorial kicking, trying to slow the ball down, bringing them into an arm wrestle and, you know, trying to be white and white from a discipline standpoint and them trying to get free of us, trying to get quick ball, almost in sevens fashions, offload from the contact and get it into the wide channels. Whereas you said, G, Marcus Smith and others can are so adept at, at, at picking picking those those passes, and, and and that made for for a very very interesting battle. And yeah, just to, just to bring out maybe a couple of stats that, that that paint that picture. So overall in the game, Quinn's made six hundred thirty four meters compared to two hundred ninety nine for us. They beat thirty one defenders and made twelve clean clean breaks, which is an incredibly high number compared to sixteen and four for us respectively. And on the flip side, we were kicking much, much more. So we kicked 23 times compared to their 12 and we won 13 out of 14 lineouts and all seven of the scrums conceding only six penalties with no cards. Mm. So you can see how both teams were quite effective in implementing what is a clear game plan. And I think that made it, that made it quite interesting to watch because you just didn't quite know which way the game would twist and turn and which of those stars would win out? Mm, I think what you've just described there is a Johan van Graan fever dream, isn't it? And his smile on the face of him, the, the smug, satisfied mm. smile of van Graan at the end, I think kind of spoke to that. It was just how he wants to play. We're not going to necessarily run or, or as many metres or break as much, but we can score points if we play in the right areas and the right way and then have some exciting exceptional backs that make the most of, of of some individual individual moments and boring rugby can still be fun and we showed that on saturday yeah yeah it wasn't wasn't boring rugby well, you know, conventionally, conventionally a boring game plan can still yeah. be seriously entertaining yeah i think another of our our big concerns tom started to bore out a little bit in the start of the second half and bath looked absolutely out on their feet from about 40 to, to 60 minutes. It was um, a little bit of Quinn's inaccuracy, but they were certainly on top in that period. Um, Zhao Tamer did score after a, a Lewis liner break from from a massive open gap. Um, mm. Quinn's ruck was... Counter-ruck. Yeah, Quinn's ruck speed was um, two seconds per ruck in that first 16 minutes of the first half. They were clearly... Um, in the game plan to try and try and kind of tire us out and, and run some of our larger forwards off the pitch. And I think it, it was working and, and the game perhaps could have gone out of sight at that point, if not for a little bit of Quinn's inaccuracy and, and some good defence, the Josh Bayliss strip on, mm -hmm. I think it was Ernst Erb um, springs to mind. Yeah, I think there were some there were some good, there were some really good individual defensive moments, last ditch defensive moments. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, wanting to return to the first half, but the Ben Spencer, I think it was on 16 minutes where he gets back and touches the ball down. 
seemingly outpacing, I think it was Caden Merlo, which is, I mean, ridiculous. And I, I want to spend at least an hour talking about Ben Spencer later on in the the, the, the podcast, because I thought he was just, just, just outstanding. Yeah, the Josh Bayless strip you mentioned, even Big Joe getting back to to stop Lewis Line. I know they scored a couple of phases later, but there were some there were some good individual moments. But I think if you're JP Ferreira and you're looking at the overall defensive performance, I think you'll 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 be very disappointed to be honest. I mentioned the attacking stats that we allowed Quinns to 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 post on the day, but looking overall, I mean 77% tackle success. So that's compared to 86% in the premiership this season and at times our defense has looked has looked pretty open so we let them through too much and that was the reason we had to score you know 45 points but ultimately we managed to stay with them like you say G, the game could have got out of sight Quinns did make some mistakes but by hook or crook we stayed within a score or so um and ultimately in that second half I think if we you know well, we, we can get into it, but I think, mm. Bob, go on. Well, no, let, let, let's get into it. From there, Bath started to ring the changes a little bit. Yeah, that's I, think, say. I think two, both props came off. Stuart and Abano, outstanding again, but starting to feel it a little bit, a lot of time out of this season for both of them. Took both props off, took Dunn off as well. And, and very soon after that, won a scrum penalty onto the halfway line, went to the corner and Annette was straight over. And that was a massive moment because that somehow put us back into the lead and we looked com- sort of beaten at one point. I think I sent a screenshot to you, Tom, earlier today when, when I was re-watching the game. I think it was on sort of 56, 60 minutes and we're defending with two people on the open side and all of the forwards either behind tired or honey potting in and around the ruck. And it was remarkable that a team like Harlequins, who that's Christmas come early to them, weren't able to exploit that. And that that sort of change then when um Annette scored was was so important. And then pretty much from the kickoff, we win a penalty and then score maybe one of our best tries of the season, I think. A perfect line out from Annette Annette right to the back. A couple of phases we go one way, McConaughey goes down the wing. A couple more phases and then Joe straight off his wing into the gap between um, Collier and uh, Luke Wallace. That that was a brilliant try and, and suddenly in the space of five minutes we'd scored 14 points and, and completely wrestled wrestled um, wrestled every, kind of all of that all yeah. that confidence off of them and and wrestled the the the, the ascendancy in the scoreboard. Yeah, we started to get some quick ball. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, Nalanet coming on and scoring basically with his with his first touch, the golden touch of of Nalanet, and we should say Ben Spencer drilling the ball down from that halfway penalty right to the five meter line to allow mm-hmm. us to get close. Another crucial intervention from from him. I thought, yeah, I thought Jean Schumann when he came on added some some nice images. Will Spencer as well. They just got us on the front foot a little bit. We were clearly very tired. It had been a very, very open game on what's a big pitch. And they started to allow Ben Spencer to get to get quick ball. And as you say, G, a, a lovely line from from Big Joe to go under the stakes. How good is it to see him coming off his wing and running with purpose? We've 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 missed that for for far too much of the last few seasons that we've 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 seen him. And then yeah, we kind of Thought it, we didn't think it was all over, but thought, okay, Quinn's going to have to do something very special here to get themselves back in the game and quickly. And then, yeah, Marcus Smith. I mean, at Premiership level, he's just <laughs> he's outstanding in games like that, isn't he? 
I mean, just got the ball from nowhere, through the line, almost scores himself, kind of like pins his head back <laughs> and, and, and is obviously rapid. Doesn't quite get there again, a nice last ditch tackle, but then Alex Dombran over and over. And yeah, the game at that point, certainly watching it from the crowd, it felt so open. <laughs> Both defences just seemed like they weren't even really lining up. That It felt like whoever had the ball would basically score next. And Will Stewart had to come back on at that point. And he looked, he was limping around. He had actually had ice. We were sat right behind the bench. You can see he had a big ice pack tied to his, taped up to his, 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 his calf, his right calf. And he got pulled back on for a Darcy Ray injury. And you could tell he was basically limping on. He could barely run, but then held firm in that scrum, importantly. And then another bulldozing line from Ollie Lawrence goes wow. goes straight through the Quinn's line. And then, yeah, gives it to Max Ajoma, who, who, who somehow manages to juggle and, and get over the line under, under massive pressure. So... That that felt like it it sealed it. Obviously, ten point ten point buffer at that point with Ben Spencer adding his seventh kick out of seven. Ridiculous again. And at that point, we started to we started to breathe and um, yeah, started to feel like the, the the celebrations kind of started in muted fashion on the on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think you're doing the the Lawrence line a little bit of a disservice there, calling it a bulldozing line. It is a it's a line of Brian O'Driscoll that it is so so nice how he shows Marchant the outside. You see Marchant's body positions like yeah, I've got him lined up perfectly. He's going to hit my outside shoulder and then just jinks in, completely leaves Marchant stone dead. Pace as well to get through the gap and away and then an offload. That was. Mm. yeah that was absolutely gorgeous from Lawrence that was the yeah that was the break of an international outside centre no doubt about it the, he, the moment of the match for me he was good he was he yeah. was uh, 83 metres I think he, he beat he, he made more metres than us our, our, our 1 through 10 in the in the whole game and beat 7 out of the 16 defenders that we, we beat as a team so very much apart from the driving mall which three tries came from he was very, very much central to uh, to to the attacking effort, and yeah, I mean, is is um, he's a bit of a freak, isn't he? Really, out oh. in, in in that wide channel, I, I would not fancy it. Would not fancy trying to tackle him. Yeah, that that was sublime from Lawrence. I'm not sure he defended as well as he could in in the first half, but yeah, it was a brilliant way to to cap off the game, cap off a brilliant performance and a remarkable 35-35 yeah. victory. Not a result and not a scoreline I certainly saw coming. No, not at all. And I guess one other thing we should we should touch on. We've not mentioned the yellow cards. So Quinn's down to mm. to, to thirteen men. So lost Murley and Esther Hazen on a permanent basis. Lost Jack Walker in the early part of that half. And I think importantly as well, Danny Kerr was ruled out of the of of the game. I think relatively, uh, you know, um, relatively soon before before kickoff. Certainly in the in the hours before before kickoff and yeah one thing I was I was I was going to say I mentioned teed it up a few times but I think is it Jal Tamer who came in for for care I yeah. think he had his his best game and I think it it really allowed Ben Spencer to dominate that that area of the of of, of the contest and Spence had a phenomenal game I, I thought I mean we can we can talk about man of the match for me it would definitely go to to, to Spencer I mean He's been criticised at times a little bit this season. Um, one of the guys I was watching the game with, 
described his described his his game as limited. And if that's if that's a limited performance, then <laughs> I, I I don't know what isn't. I mean, his kicking was phenomenal as usual. That fifty twenty two at the start of the the second half was was sublime. He was a nuisance around the fringes in defence, both with his opposite number and just slowing down down Quinn's ball. He he controlled the speed of the game. I thought his pass variety was was really good. His place kicking seven from seven, including some some from from out wide, and to to get back for that touch, you know, to to get the ball over the line and to outpace Merley in that first half, then to kick it to five meters for for Annette. I thought he was just so influential on that game. He 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 stood up as captain and and showed his class. So yeah, I, I just that's ran. Uh, over, but I just thought he he had a he had an awesome game. I'm not going to disagree with that one. He was outstanding. Do you know, by the way, do you know how many England caps he's got? Four. Yeah, four, and one of them is one of them is a World Cup final, which it must must be quite unusual for that that number. But yeah, that seems like a an unfair return on the the level of talent and the 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 rugby brain that he's got. But um, all the better for us, to be honest. Yeah, it's a lot of good nines about, but yeah, he's it's difficult to, to to see one performing as consistently as Spencer, and it seems like his game would suit an international game as well. So that is a little bit of an odd one, but as you say, all the better for us. He he was outstanding, and he was yeah, he was everywhere, wasn't he? And and you could see just how tired he was. And I always say to you, Tom, that Van Gran, Hooper before that, Hatley they know when the game's done one way or the other is when Spencer comes off, either we're getting hammered or we've got the game in the bag. And I think we did it this week or against Harlequins when the game wasn't in the bag. We were only leading by three points when they took Spencer. Felt early. Felt that early. was a testament to just how tired he was and, and just how influential he was in the game. It did at times feel a little bit like Spencer for Bath and, and on, on, the, on the other side, Smith for Harlequins, who, who seemed to have the ball every single time Harlequins had it as you say he he was outstanding I thought other players that, that stood out for Bath we, we've mostly mentioned um, Ollie Lawrence Big Joe DJ Van Veltzer and Beno Urbano I, I thought had good games Josh Bayliss I think rather strangely got the man of the match from, from BT Sport he, he did well when he came on but I think you're right Ben Spencer was was the outstanding player on the pitch um, without doubt in, in my mind as well um, it, it was a great win Tom wasn't it and I, th- yeah. I think it spoke to an improvement in so many areas right an improvement in discipline um, an improvement in in kind of nerve and bottle at the end and kind of know how to to stay in and win those games. And I think also an improvement on fitness. Um, and that's a massive thing that that we were lacking towards, um, you know, last season, season before that. Um, and I think it's improved hugely this season. We are the best team statistically in terms of points difference in the last quarter in the Premiership. And I think, again, even though it looked on kind of 50, 60 minutes like we were going to get run ragged, the boys stuck in that. The replacements made an impact and, and ultimately we, we won going away. So, yeah, a brilliant, yep. brilliant victory. And that goes back to it. You know, I've, I've always remember one thing that Van Graan said when he came on this, this podcast, what would have been 26, 27 episodes ago at the start of the season. We want to be hard to beat and we weren't perfect at times, but we stayed with Quinns and we made ourselves hard to put away, hard to beat. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it. You know, we, we've we've seen 
many, many false dawns uh, supporting this club and over the five series of this podcast. But it starts to feel like we're putting some fundamentals in place. And just to put the cherry on top, perhaps, G, I don't know if you will have picked this up watching on watching on TV, but on the on the sidelines or behind the the, the posts before and after the game, uh, a wild horse was was sighted doing some doing some galloping training. And that 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 definitely brought a smile because um yeah, Will Muir looks back or looks nearly back to full training, which would be uh, a much needed boost uh on in our wing. Not not that we're lacking, but uh, easy to forget how what a what a beast he's been over the last couple of seasons. So that was a that was a nice bit of nice bit of uh, nice thing to see as well. Maybe he'll feature Tom next or two in two weekends' time against Saracens. Plenty of competition for places on the wing when you think Tom de Glanville, Big Joe, Roy McConaughey, Gabe Hamer Webb as well. So it will be fascinating to see team selection as we go into what has turned into a pretty big game for Bath at home against Saracens on the sixth of May coronation bank holiday weekend what a cracker this promises to be at the wreck Bath's currently sit in ninth place level on points with Bristol who are in eighth of course the top eight qualify for the premier European competition in the following season something that would be a really good Philip for Bath I think so for Bath to get there Tom please correct me if I'm wrong we need to beat Saracens that's the long and mm-hmm. short of it, which is going to be tough. Of course, Saracens have already secured not only the playoffs, not only a home semi, but also top spot. So if you're listening, Mark McCall, you don't have to worry too much about this one. We also need Gloucester to beat Bristol at Ashton Gate, which is obviously happening at the same time, all games kicking off at four o'clock on Saturday, the 6th of May, Tom. From nowhere, really... We are the prime game on BT Sport for the final weekend of the season. I don't think we would have seen that one coming uh, a couple of weeks ago, or, or even yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Who saw yeah? Who, who would have seen it coming? It's been a, a strange Indian summer to our our season, but and it will take it, and it it would be great to be involved in 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 top flight European rugby, mainly for the away days, but also as 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 something to as something to to build on as we look ahead to to next season, the following season. And as you say, flanked by both Gloucester and Bristol, who are playing each other, um, means that we need the win. So uh, uh, even if even if those two were to draw and we get two bonus points, two losing bonus points, that won't be enough because we sit eight points behind Bristol on on points difference. So I think you know, as London Irish found out in the, the game at the Stonex on Sunday, it will probably, you know, a large, you know, it, it will to a degree come down to the, the side that, that Saracens select. Will they see it as an opportunity to, to rest some players before very likely playing Northampton in the semifinals at home the following weekend? Or will they, with no European, um, no European rugby left this season for them, Will they see it as essentially a quarterfinal and wanting to build some momentum into the semi-final, having not had a set of particularly good results in the last in the last month or two? So, I think that will that will play a, a, a large part of it. But for us, I mean, nothing to lose really. We've 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 got a you know very very decent set of players available injury wise. We're coming off three wins. We're at home. We got very close to Saracens, a strong Saracen side at the Stonex. So. Nothing to lose. Let's just put our best side possible we can. I wouldn't make too many changes 
at all, G. I think the selection consistency that we're getting is something we've sorely missed and something we're we're seeing start to come together. So not many changes from me. Maybe the horse slides back onto the to the bench to to, to score off the bench and, and and take us to the Champions Cup. But but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Let's see coronation of Bath Rugby in the in the in the Heineken Cup for next season. Yeah, it would be lovely. I agree. I wouldn't mind seeing a five-three split, but I've I've kind of wanted that all season. Um, despite what JP tells us on this podcast, I still don't mm. think that's the right Not on that, are we? The the right way to go. But yeah, the selection consistently consistency has has been really important. I think the front row in particular, um, those guys have, have have had such a big impact over these past three weeks. Pivotal, um, and I think also the centre uh, midfield partnership with Spencer Bailey. Lawrence and Ajoma really forming a, a nice partnership. I don't know where Redpath is, but it's it's really nice to see those guys playing some consistent rugby together and oh, starting to form yeah. some partnerships um, kind of going forward ahead of, ahead of next season. Um, yeah, it's an exciting one and it's going to be another sellout at the rack and, and Bath have got a great record in these last home games of the season. So if that continues, we can hopefully put another demon of last season, the 71-14 loss behind us um, in spectacular fashion and secure secure Champions Cup rugby with with Bristol missing out would be would be fabulous, wouldn't it? Oh, nothing better. To to send us into summer and a a, a much a much deserved break. It's felt like a long season at times, but these last <laughs> few weeks have have certainly certainly helped kind of leave it on a bit of a high. Hmm. Kind of don't want it to end at this point, mate. I wasn't saying that a few weeks ago, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me again, Tom. Loved breaking this one down with you. We'll be back after the Saracens game on Coronation Weekend for our final post-match podcast. We'll probably then do a wrap-up podcast before we head off into summer hibernation. So as I always say, please share it with your mates. It's not felt this good to be a Bath rugby fan in a couple of seasons. So share the love, share the blue, black and white love. Um, And yeah, please do support the podcast in, in any way you can by sharing it, rating it, subscribing to it and supporting us via the black and white butchers, Tom Dunn's black and white butchers. Tom, thank you for joining me. Thank you listeners for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the last few positive episodes. And as always, stick behind the boys through thick and thin.